Let's all stand tonight as we take reverence to the reading of the Word of God. I'm going to ask you to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter number 16 tonight. Luke in chapter number 16. I'll read one verse and then we'll get right into the preaching of the Word of God. Luke chapter number 16. And tonight, the latter part will be a message of warning possibly to somebody that's here tonight. But the majority of the message will be a message of remembrance to the most of us that are in this room tonight. Luke chapter number 16, I'll read verse number 23, and then I'm going to ask Brother Rodriguez, is Brother Rodriguez still here? Uh, Yeah, Brother Rodriguez, I'm going to ask you to pray for us as soon as I read this verse, okay? Luke chapter 16, let's look at verse number 23. The Bible says that in hell he lift up his eyes being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. Amen. You may be seated. We'll come to Luke 16 again here in just a little while. Tonight I want to preach on a subject. For America as a whole, we don't hear much preaching about anymore. A subject that more times than I would even like to admit, old timers have come up to me in churches across the country with tears streaming down their face, and they would say, Brother Dallas, there was a day that you would go to the house of God and at least one week, once a week in a church service. You'd hear a message on the judgment of God or a warning of that awful place called hell. But America as a whole, we don't hear much preaching about anymore. A subject that we as a whole, we have forgotten about, Because we get so consumed with work and the issues of life and even in ministry. Those of us that are saved, sometimes it seems that we forget that there's a judgment coming one of these days to that lost sinner without Christ. I believe with all my heart tonight that the subject of hell was the greatest motivation of those men of God of old and those saints of God throughout the ages. And tonight, the message of remembrance to most of us that are in this room tonight, the title is going to be a two-word question I want to ask all of us, including me tonight. That question is this, remember hell? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 7, By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 11, the Bible says, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your conscience. Jude 22 and 23, the Bible says that if some have compassion, make it a difference, and others say with fear, putting them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. And child of God, can we be reminded tonight just because you and I may forget about hell from time to time, 
And just because we may block hell out of our mind and if we're saved tonight, thank God we'll escape the great white throne judgment one day. But that does not dismiss the fact that there is still a burning eternal fire called hell that lost sinners will go to one of these days. I've heard this statement in recent days. Brother Dallas, I'm just not motivated to go soul winning anymore. I'm just not motivated to work on a bus route anymore. I'm not motivated to work in ministry anymore. If hell does not motivate us, nothing else will motivate us. Child of God, you remember when you were saved. You remember that night that you walked into a church house or you were on the other side of a door and somebody knocked on your door and you were headed to that place called hell but they shared the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit of God could have brought conviction upon anybody else's heart there that day but the Holy Spirit of God chose to bring conviction upon your heart and drew you away or drew you to salvation and away from that place called hell and the relief you had when you realized no longer do I have to die and go to that place called hell. You remember that first soul? You remember how nervous you were to give that gospel track out or witness to somebody but all of a sudden you began to tell them what Christ done for you and how God began to work on their heart and you were able to tell them about Jesus and they were saved by the grace of God. I ask us tonight remember hell? Can I say first of all tonight you and I cannot get away from reading this Bible right here without, number one, understanding the reality of that place called hell. The Bible gives us a little glimpse of that place called hell. Can we be reminded tonight, hell's a place where all the Christ rejectors will go. Hell's a place where all those who mock the gospel will end up going. Hell's a place where all those who think uh, that the cross of Christ is foolishness will go. Hell's a place where all those who depend on good works, good deeds, and self-righteousness will go. Hell's a place where the drunk on skin row without Christ will go. Hell's a place where the dope addict without Christ will go. Hell's a place where the preacher's kid and the deacon's kid without Christ will go. Can I say tonight, hell's a place where that neighbor that you think's real nice and real sweet, if they die without Christ, they'll die and go that place called hell. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 27, And as is appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. We have many appointments in this life. We have doctor's appointments. We have appointments with the dentist. You ladies have appointments with the hairdresser. And you understand all the appointments that we have in this life, they can be postponed. They can be canceled. But there's one appointment that will not be postponed, that will not be canceled, and that's the appointment of death one of these days. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 20, verse number 14 and 15, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. 
The Bible says in Revelation chapter 21, verse number 8, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burn with fire in brimstone, which is the second death. The Bible says that hell and judgment are never full. It has an appetite for souls like you and I cannot even imagine tonight. Hell's been crying out through the ages. Never full. Never full. Could you imagine just being in hell for one minute? Your face is burning. Your feet are burning. Your hands are burning. When you breathe in, it's fire. When you breathe out, it's fire. No laughter in hell. No love in hell. No flowers in hell. Nothing but torment in that place called hell. The air is filled with the stench of burning flesh in that place called hell. My wife and I have driven or we've traveled a million five hundred thousand miles across this country together. There were times where we would come to traffic that was on a, that, that was uh, stood still there on the interstate. And finally, when the traffic would start flowing all over again, we'd be on a six lane highway. They would move us all the way to the far left hand side, and the the reason the traffic uh, was standing still in the first place was because the cars uh, caught on fire on the far right side. And us being on the far left side of that car on fire on the far right side, can I say we can feel the flames of that car inside of our vehicle. But in reality tonight, hell is much hotter than that will ever be. The Bible says in Luke chapter 16, verse number 23 and 24, And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Mark chapter 9, verse number 43 and 44, the Bible says that if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter light maimed than having two hands to go into hell into the fire that shall never be quenched where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Many times this Bible refers to hell as a place of unquenchable fire, a place where the worm dies not, a place where there's wailing and gnashing of teeth. It always uses the word torment in the present tense because a person that dies and goes to hell will be in torment for all of eternity. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 24 verse number 51 and shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I've been asked this my entire ministry, Brother Rochester. Brother Dallas, are you one of those hellfire brimstone preachers? Can I say tonight, you better believe I'm a hellfire brimstone preacher because my friend, just because I've got my fire insurance and my feet will never touch hell does not mean the fire in hell has been extinguished, amen. And child of God, 
Can I say thank God you and I will get to go to heaven one day but the Lord Jesus Christ spoke more about hell than he ever did about that place called heaven and it's our responsibility to warn people about that place called hell. Can I say first of all you and I can't get away from reading that Bible without understanding of that place called hell. Number two, turn your Bibles back to Luke 16 tonight. Luke 16, look at verse number 22 with me. Luke 16, look at verse number 22. The Bible says that it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments. Seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear uh, not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Can I say, first of all tonight, you and I cannot read that Bible without understanding, number one, there is the reality of that place called hell. But number two, as I read that story, a very true story, matter of fact, not some uh, Disneyland fairy tale, but a very true account of what happened. Number two, I see that there are some requests from that place called hell. You understand this rich man, every request he had here on earth, all he had to do was snap his finger and that request was fulfilled. But this request from hell is never fulfilled, nor can it be fulfilled because once a person dies and goes to hell, there's an eternal separation from God for all of eternity. And God cannot and God will not Hear their prayer from that place called hell. There was some request this rich man had from hell. Look at verse number 24 with me tonight. Luke 16, verse number 24. The Bible says in verse number 24, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. First of all, he was wanting mercy in that place called hell. There's never a time where I drive through the city limits of Memphis, and there's times, about a half a dozen times a year, well, I'll drive through the city limits of Memphis, Brother Wolfram, and I'm going from point A from ending a meeting to starting another meeting and have to go through Memphis, and there's times where I'm able to stop and see my mom and dad, but there's other times where I'm just so busy and scheduled, I just got to keep on going, but every time I go through the city limits of Memphis, there's never a time where the devil don't get on my old shoulder and remind me of the life that I used to live before I met the met the Lord Jesus Christ. And how I used to ride up and down those roads and 
hang out with who I want to hang out with and put in my body what I want to put in my body and shaking my fist and foolishness to the God of heaven. And there's, there's many times I'm reminded that I should have died and went to that place called hell. But all of a sudden, God begins to speak to my heart and begins to remind me years I spent in vanity and pride. Caring not, my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died on Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Poured in there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul fell liberty at Calvary. Can I tell you, thank God, God spared my life. God spared your life. Allow the mercy come by your way and save you from that place called hell. What a tragedy it would be to sit on a church pew all these years and still die and go to that place called hell. Can I tell you, when you go to hell, my friend, you'll want mercy there, but mercy will not be given there. But I'm glad as long as oxygen is still flowing through our veins and our heart is still beating, thank God we can call on God and God will extend His mercy to us. Look at verse number 24 with me again. There's some requests from that place called hell. The Bible says that He cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water. Not only was this rich man looking for mercy in hell, but he had the request of his misery being relieved in that place called hell. As I read this story and I think about the Bible, I actually calls him the rich man. I could just see that he, in my mind, I could just envision that he had the, the house that everybody desired to have. Uh, he had all the servants. He had all the fine clothing. He had the great big gate. All he had to do was snap his finger and, and those servants would, would obey every one of his commands. I could just see him as he would walk past dirty, rotten, filthy, stinky Lazarus day in and day out. He would snub his nose up at Lazarus and he would just keep on walking by. But now he's in that place called hell. He's not asking for a drop. He's not asking for a bottle. He's not asking for a canteen. He's just asking for one drop from dirty, rotten, stinky, filthy Lazarus' finger. But now he's in that place called hell. That request could have been fulfilled on earth by the living water, the Lord Jesus Christ, where he would have never thirsted again. But now he will burn in the lake of fire forever and ever. And never again that thirst will be quenched. Not only was he looking for mercy, not only was he looking for his misery relieved, you'll find in verse number 25, look what the Bible says, but Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. He wanted his memory to be forgotten in hell. You understand it wasn't a matter about, it, it didn't matter about him being rich when he was in hell now he's a sinner that will die and burn in that place called hell forever. But lastly tonight, what I find in this story, a request in this story, where every single one of us in this room tonight that are saved by the grace of God, it, we come in tonight. Look at verse number 27. The Bible says, Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house. He was looking for a missionary to go and tell his five brothers about Jesus and warn them of this place called hell. 
This rich man wanted somebody to go and tell his five brethren and warn them of hell. But he was told if they would not hear Abraham and the prophets, they're not going to hear me. And child of God, you understand tonight, none of us have the freedom or the liberty to go to hell and win them to Christ and bring them out of that eternal flame and go to heaven. But you and I tonight, we do have the freedom. We do have the liberty, this side of eternity, to win them to Christ and snatch them out of that place called hell. And child of God, can we be reminded, hey, getting the gospel out just doesn't lie on the pastor or the youth pastor or a few key people of the church. My friend, if we're saved by the grace of God, the gospel message lies on every one of our shoulders tonight and I believe this with all my heart tonight every single person that is saved by the good grace of God tonight I promise you tonight I guarantee you there are people in your life that will give you a listening ear to the gospel when they won't give the pastor or the youth pastor a listening ear you have that relationship with them You have that fellowship on the job site with them. And my friend, the sad reality is when we all stand before the holy God of heaven one of these days, our hands are going to be stained with the blood of lost sinners that we should have and could have won to the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I say I grow weary tonight as I travel across this country of preachers my age and younger. They know all about the UFC fighting. They know all about the NFL stars. They know all about the baseball teams. But you ask them, when's the last time you won somebody to Christ? When's the last time the best? baptismal waters were stirred and you could hear crickets chirp. Can I tell you my friend, I don't care if those things go out of business tonight. I'll tell you what God's business is. That is telling lost sinners about that place called hell tonight. The gospel tonight was not designed just to stay within the four walls of the church house. It's designed to get out there in the highways and the byways and tell lost sinners about Jesus. First of all, tonight I see that there's the reality of hell. There's some request from that place called hell. Third of all, as I read my Bible, I see that we have a responsibility towards that place called hell. The Bible says, Isaiah chapter 5, verse number 14, Therefore hell hath enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure and their glory and their multitude and their pomp and he that rejoiceth shall descend into it. Matthew chapter 7 verse number 13 the Bible says Enter ye at the straight gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction and many there be which go in thereat. Statistics around the world today. Statistics. Each hour today, around the world, 6,316 people died around the world for various causes. Around the world today, 151,600 people will die today around the world. 55.3 million people will die in the year 2020 around the world. I don't have to tell you this, but we need to be reminded tonight. Nowhere in this Bible does it give a third place a person goes when they die. It's either heaven or it's hell. 
I love reading about the history of revival. I love reading about those great awakenings. And as I read about those old revivals, Pastor Marshall, back in the old days of revival, they didn't call this an altar. I understand altar is a biblical word, but they used to call this the mourner's bench. Because those old time saints of God would come down to the mourner's bench and they would mourn and they would weep over the fate of their lost family and friends and their co-workers. But today in the average Baptist church I go to, the same box of tissue stays on the altar for weeks on end because our eyes have become dry and we become unmovable when it comes to the fate of our lost family and friends and co-workers. This isn't a loaded question. This isn't a trick question. I'll be the first one to raise my hand. But I wonder tonight across this room how many of us would say we've got lost family tonight. How many of us would say that tonight? Let's raise our hand. Good and high. When's the last time you prayed for them? When's the last time you shed a tear for them? I understand these names may not mean anything to you, but they mean the entire world to me. Every single day of my life, I pray for my daddy. I pray for my mama. I pray for Brad and Stephanie and Brianna and Hannah. I pray for Kim and Hunter and Chance and Noah and Devin and little Macy. I pray for Terry and Jason and Jack and Brenda and Jason and Tina and Delana and Bailey and Clint and Missy and Taylor and Vivian and all the Dallases and Upchurches and Earnharts and Faust and Delafields. And I pray, God, save the ones that are lost. Allow me to be a witness to those that are lost. God, those that are saved, I pray they live a life that will bring honor and glory to you. Can I say... God's answered some of those prayers and God's allowed me to be able to win some of my family to the Lord. I was able to lead my daddy to the Lord a few years ago in Memphis, Tennessee. I was able to lead my father-in-law to the Lord not long ago. My wife's dad died when she was a young girl and teenage girl and her mom stayed unmarried for a long time and got married about a year after Nikita and I got married. My mother-in-law fell out of church for a little while, and she met her husband in a in a sinful place. But uh, but after a little while after they got saved, she got back in church. But Jason never would go. Jason grew up Pentecostal. Jason grew up thinking you had to work your way uh, to heaven, and definitely he, he he that that's not the Bible way to heaven. It's only through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ in order for a person to be saved by the grace of God and go to heaven. But Jason definitely, if that was the way to heaven, he didn't work for God anyhow. He knew that he was lost, and he knew that he was on his way to hell. I, I didn't grow up fishing and hunting and doing all those things, but uh, Jason, uh, uh, when Nikita and I, uh, when he and my mother-in-law got married, Jason kind of took me under his wing and took me fishing and hunting. And I loved him, and he loved me, and there was many times where I witnessed to my father-in-law, Jason. I could take you back to the place tonight where we were out there on the Gulf of Mexico in Texas. We were on a boat fishing. And I was talking to him about the Lord and talking to him about getting it settled, about being saved. And I remember Jason very sternly said, Chris, 
He said, that may be good for you and Nikita, and that may be good for Tina. My, my, that's my mother-in-law. He said, but don't talk to me anymore about it. He said, I'm not ready to get that settled. He said, I've got a lot of things that need to change. And I said, well, Jason, I said, it's not about you changing anything. I said, God changes you after salvation. He said, I don't want to talk about it anymore. He said, just don't, uh, just don't bring up Jesus. Don't bring up that salvation thing to me anymore. And you understand, he may have been able to stop me from uh, 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 personally witnessing to him, but he couldn't stop me from praying for him. He couldn't stop me from weeping for him. And in motel room after motel room after motel room all across this country, in the middle of the night, God would wake me up and be broken and burdened for my father-in-law, Jason. I didn't want to see him die and go to hell. And I'd fall on my face before God in that motel room beside the bed and I would pray and I would beg and I would ask God to please save my father-in-law, Jason. I'll never forget we were preaching in Sulphur, Louisiana. That's about 30 miles from where my in-laws lived at that time in a little town called Hackberry, Louisiana. I was pre- preaching for the Grace Baptist Church, Brother, uh, Brother Arvin Harold, there at, uh, at Sulphur, Louisiana, Grace Baptist Church. And my mother-in-law and my father-in-law come to hear me preach that Sunday morning. Boy, I was thankful for it. And that morning I got up and I preached hell hot and heaven sweet and Boy, the Spirit of the Lord met with us in a great and mighty way and six adults walked the aisle and got saved by the grace of God. And Miss Emily, I was thankful for the ones that got saved in that Sunday morning church service. But I looked over there about three rows from the front of the church and my father-in-law was just there stone-faced, unmovable. And boy, my heart sank because I wanted my father-in-law to be saved that Sunday morning. We went back over to my in-law's house that afternoon and and I ate lunch with my in-laws, but I went back to the room and I just prayed and just begged the Lord that not only would they come to church, but the gospel message would prick his heart there that night and he would get saved by the grace of God. Before I got up to preach that night, I was sitting on the platform with the preacher and the youth choir got up and they sang that song that y'all sang this morning, It's Under the Blood. And I'm sitting there on the platform looking at my father-in-law three rows from the front of the church and as that teen choir was singing that song, tears were streaming down his face. And I knew that God was pulling on his heartstrings. I knew that God was working on his heart. That night I got up to preach and man, we had a great imitation and God met with us in a great and mighty way and we had a great moving of God in the service but still at imitation time, my father-in-law was sitting there in his pew. I did, we weren't traveling on that Monday. We weren't going to travel to Tuesday but Monday I had to run uptown which was about 20 to 25 minutes away to the nearest gas station from their house I said, Jason, I said, you want to ride up town with me to, uh, uh, to fill up the vehicle? And he said, well, sure, Chris. He said, I'll ride up to town with you, fill up the vehicle. And we got to that Exxon gas station there in Sulphur, Louisiana. And I said, man, you like that song that the teen choir sang last night, didn't you? It's under the blood. He said, man, I sure did like that song. He said, that was a good song. And I said, well, I've got it on CD right here. I said, you want to listen to it? He said, well, sure. He said, I, I, I like to listen to it. So I put the CD on, and they began to sing that song, It's Under the Blood. And I got out, and that, at that time I was driving a, a, a Chevrolet a, a Suburban. And I don't know, for one reason or another, it was the slowest gas pump I'd ever been to in my life. It seemed like it took me 45 minutes to fill up that gas tank. 
But Brother Andrew, about every three or four minutes as I was pumping that gas in that vehicle, I would hear that song start over again. I would still be pumping gas and three or four minutes would pass and I'd hear that song start all over again. After an hour and a half of pumping gas in that Suburban, I put the nozzle back in its place and I got in the vehicle and big old alligator tears were streaming down my father-in-law's face and he said, Chris, he said, if you'll tell me about Jesus one more time, if you'll give me the gospel one more time, he said, I'm ready to get it settled right here, right now. Can I tell you tonight, child of God, hey, don't give up on that, or don't give up on that husband or that son or that daughter. Just keep on praying for them. Just keep on weeping for them because they there's still a place called hell. Amen. I ask us tonight, remember hell. People are dying and perishing and falling into hell every second, every minute, every hour of every day. Do you even know what your neighbor's name is? I don't want Melissa to die and go to hell. I don't want Byron to die and go to hell. Byron's kind of been like a grandfather figure to me. He helps me on my yard. He's got my yard looking sharp there in Nicholasville. But I don't care if my whole, my whole yard burned. I don't want Byron to burn and die and go to hell. Can I say I'm totally against lifestyle evangelism being a substitute for one-on-one confrontational soul winning. But our light should shine in public that people will give a listening ear to our presentation of the gospel. I'm not going to be a jerk to the hotel clerk or the waiter or the waitress in the restaurant. Can I tell you tonight, sir, child of God, saved by the good grace of God, it's going to be hard for you to witness to your co-workers if you're singing along with them to their same worldly music and laughing at their same dirty jokes and rebelling against the bosses just like everybody else is. I've been asked this question, Brother Chris. Why do you drive or fly 70,000 miles a year in America and overseas? Why do you live most of your life out of a suitcase? Why do you sleep in a different motel room every week of your life? Why during the school year do you kiss your wife goodbye on Saturdays and you don't see her again till Thursdays? I'll tell you why. Because there's a place called hell that lost sinners are dying and going to. But child of God, warning people of that place called hell just doesn't lie on the shoulders of that pastor or this evangelist or a missionary across the seas. It lies on every one of our shoulders. When's the last time you carried some gospel tracts? When's the last time you just told somebody, I want to give you something and give you directions to the church on the back? It'll give you directions to heaven on the front. Amen. You say, well, Brother Dallas, I don't know the Bible as well as Pastor Marshall. I don't have the Scripture memorized like uh, Brother Andrew. My friend, why don't you just tell them what Christ's done for you, amen? Your testimony will go a lot further than you think. Not only tonight do I see the reality of that place called hell, not only do I see that there are some requests from that place called hell. I see my responsibility toward that place called hell. But I ask us all tonight, first of all to the saved, 
what will be our resolve of that place called hell? That word resolve means decision. Saved child of God, will we keep on playing games and being lackadaisical? Will we be more concerned with social life than we are lost sinners? Or will we make up our mind right here, right now, that we're going to go after lost sinners and we're going to get on board with the thing that is nearest and dearest to God's heart, and that is to tell people about His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that loved them enough to die on the cross of Calvary for their sin. And tonight, maybe, just maybe, this Monday night revival service, there's somebody on the side of my voice, there's a decision that you need to make on your own, and that's the decision to be saved once and for all. What a tragedy tonight to be on the church membership roll of Riverside Baptist Church but yet not have your name on the Lamb's Book of Life. What a tragedy it would be when Brother Stephen says open up your song book to page so and so and you know it's a song about the blood of Jesus and you don't have to turn your song book there because you already know the songs from memory. And yet you sing the songs about the blood of Jesus, but the blood of Jesus has never been applied to the doorpost of your heart. What a tragedy it would be to be a visitor here tonight or even a church member. The preacher will get up and warn you of that place called hell and walk out of this place still headed there. Turn your Bibles tonight to Matthew chapter number 26. Matthew 26 tonight. Look at verse number 20. The Bible says, Now when the even was come, he sat down with the twelve. As they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful, and began every one of them to say to him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, He that dipped his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The Son of Man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto, I want you to pay attention to these next two words. That man, by whom the Son of Man is betrayed, it had been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? He said unto him, Thou hast said. Now we understand tonight none of the other disciples asked was it Judas? But they said Lord is it I? You understand Judas walked the walk and Judas talked the talk. But Judas died and went to that place called hell. 
Many preachers of the past have preached on the title, He kissed the door to heaven and still died and went to hell. You understand, Judas did not go to hell because of his betrayal of Jesus. Peter denied Jesus. Jesus forgave Peter and used him in a great and mighty way. Judas died and went to hell because he never was saved by the grace of God. And Jesus said, it had been good for that man if he had never been born. You ever thought about this, that man? That man's talking about Judas. That man was baptized. That man was a member of the church. That man held a position in the church. That man saw miracles performed by Jesus Christ himself. But that man died and went to hell. Remember hell? I'm reminded of a story that I read years and years ago now about a group of young people that have been reading in some famous, ungodly, wicked, heathenistic magazine about a famous nightclub in the big city three hours, ago, three hours away from where they lived. And that nightclub was called the Gates of Hell. Brother Marshall, in my most wicked days, I would have never set foot in a nightclub called the Gates of Hell. Brother Andrew, these young people, they wanted to go because that was all, where all the popular crowd was going. That was where all the cool kids were going. That was where all the who's who in society was going to this nightclub in the big city three hours away called the Gates of Hell. They had to get some side jobs and raking leaves and mowing grass to be able to put gas in the car, to be able to buy a new outfit, to be able to pay the coverage in order to get in this nightclub called the Gates of Hell. And finally the day came where they bought their new outfit. They had the car filled up. They had the pocket full of money to be able to pay the coverage in order to get in that nightclub called the Gates of Hell. They made the three-hour journey, and they knew exactly where on the street the Gates of Hell was at, or they knew what street the Gates of Hell was on, but they didn't know exactly where on the street it was. So they just parked their car, and they got out of their car, and they just began to walk down this road. You understand, this road was a very long road. It was a very broad road. There were many people that were going down that road. And they walked and walked and walked and finally after about 30, 45 minutes of walking they said to one another we need to ask somebody that's familiar with the territory where this nightclub called the Gates of Hell is at. They saw a security guard standing there on the side of the road and one of them went to the security guard and they said Sir, can you tell us where this nightclub uh, where all the cool kids are going where all the popular kids are going where uh, everybody that's uh, somebody in society is going this nightclub called the Gates of Hell? He said, well, sure I can. He said, you go about another block and he said, you're going to pass a church there on the right-hand side of the road. He said, go, he said, go past that church another block and you'll see the Gates of Hell at the end of the road. He said, thank you, sir. And he, they, he walked back to his friends and then finally went back to the security guard and said, Sir, 
Can you tell us the name of the church that will pass before we get to the gates of hell? He said, well, sure I can. He said, it's called Calvary. You understand every single person in this room from the very moment we were born we began a journey and that journey was straight to the place called hell. And it's not a matter that you was raised up in a Christian home and you don't escape that place called hell because of your position in the church and you don't escape that place called hell because you visited the church on Monday night of revival. And you don't miss that place called hell and escape that place called hell because the good outweighs the bad in your life. And you don't escape that place called hell because you're a good mama or because you're a good daddy and because you got high morals in your life. The only way anybody ever escapes that place called hell, they must stop by the place called Calvary. Thank God tonight the ground is level at the foot of the cross. I ask you tonight, child of God, remember hell. Maybe, just maybe, tonight, this Monday night revival, there's somebody that's out of my voice. You know good and well tonight, you don't have the assurance that if you were to die in the next five minutes, you'd escape that place I've warned you about tonight. I'd encourage you to get it settled once and for all this evening. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed all across the building.